Hi, I'm Jennifer Wilde, and you're listening to Sober Exposure. If it's about recovery, we're going to cover it. It's like one big therapy session, but it's free. So thanks for joining our dysfunctional family as we uncover recovery with Sober Exposure. Let's go. All right. Ready? Three, two, one. Hey, Sober Exposure. Look at this. I wore it just for you. Awesome. All right. So uh, we have, look at this. We've got another musician on Sober Exposure. Go figure. This is becoming a trend and I like it, Uh, especially as an ex-groupie. I'm sure you can tell us some groupie stories. But uh, we have, okay, I I don't know if I should play my song first. Okay, so I I wrote a special song for you. We have AC Slade. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sober Exposure. And um, I actually wrote a song, and Lemmy and I kind of collaborated with it. And it goes like this. It's AC Slade, AC Slade. Come on, has anyone ever sang that to you before? Uh, yeah, they have. Oh! (laughs) And here I thought I was reinventing the wheel, you know? Anyway. Yeah, no. But it's even, it's even, uh, you know. Sometimes I sing it to myself, so which is kind of <laughs> pathetic. So, uh, so if that makes you feel better. Okay, well, that's great because that's been that song's been in my head all friggin' day. But not the Ace of Spades. It's AC Slade. That's that's my version. So I'm gonna serenade him, sing it to him, and uh, maybe I'll get signed. No, I'm just kidding. So anyway, how you been? Last time we spoke, you were out of the country. Uh, you're back here, safe and sound. Yeah. Yeah, I got a, um, man, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. I, uh, I had a gig come up at the last minute for a, a band that was playing in Moscow. And, uh, you know, the, the sh- short story is like the, the gig was confirmed at 830 in the morning. I had an 830 flight that night. I had to go to uh, Germany for a week of rehearsals. And then we got to Moscow landed everything was cool and then the gig got canceled what oh my god you're kidding me hey at least you got a hopefully a free trip to moscow I like and i got paid i got a bonus because because they felt bad about it so that, that's that's the short version of it but it, it ended up being a, a really amazing trip and you know it's funny i um i have people ask me all the time like oh you've had so many experiences in music like you should you should write a book and my reply is always like yeah but i feel like i'm still living it like, I feel like, like all these crazy ass stories and wild adventures and all that shit, man, I'm not even close to, to, to crossing the finish line for that. So I have been doing a, a thing with, uh, with my Patreon and, you know, you were asking about things to plug. I, I have a, a Patreon where every week I do what's called dead time stories and I go through uh, my week of uh, events that happened in history of my playing that week, whether it was playing with Joan or with Dope or Murder Dolls or Misfits or any of my bands. And it's like, whatever happened that week, I kind of give a recap. So great. Cool. And, and we're talking Joan for those that are the, the Joan, the Joan, I love rock and roll, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, former, uh, formerly of the band, the Runaways, that Joan Jett, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll get to that. I mean, I, I want to talk about that because I have so many questions I want to ask about. Um, I actually met Joan Jett briefly, and I, I don't even know if I should even tell the story because I was working at a radio station. She's like, where's the bathroom? And I showed her where the bathroom was, and I, I, I'm not going to continue. Anyway, I'm not going to continue the Joan Jett story, but she was awesome. She was gracious. She's a lot of times, you know, you never know with you guys, with you musicians. You guys can be, uh, you, you don't know. Sometimes you sit down and you can get someone that's awesome and cool, you know, and then uh, the worst is like, you get like Joe Perry of Aerosmith. Worst interview ever. I mean, Ooh. I'm telling the dude, I'm telling him literally, like when I was eight years old, Joe, I sat on your lap at an in-store when you were signing your first album in you know, Cleveland, Ohio. You know, you'd think that the guy would light up and be like, oh really, you sat on my lap when you were five? You know, uh-huh. he's like, Oh, cool. Cool story. The only time I could get anything out of him is if I brought up like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> when I started yeah. talking about Zeppelin, he lit up, but that was it. So uh, those of you that didn't know, I never knew this about you, but I, I don't know how I didn't. I, I was, I liked the, I, I was a big fan of the band Dope. I love that band. I remember uh, I was working at a rock station and 
they, I, I was like begging the program director and he's like, no, I got to play the new Pearl Jam track. It wasn't Pearl Jam. It was later than that. But, you know, I mean, they're on Godsmack. Why can't they play, you know, why can't they play dope? Yeah. Right. So you're in recovery. Yes. All right. This is a recovery show. You want to tell us a little bit about, I know that you, uh, you grew up in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Correct. So yes, just maybe give us a little, I know your sister. I met your sister. She's awesome. I, th- I believe it was your younger sister. I also know that your older sister influenced you with music with, uh, I heard a, a story about how she was listening to cheap trick and that was, that, that's, that's how it all started for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I grew up in, in halfway between like Amish country and, and halfway between Philadelphia. Uh, if you went, you know, 10 minutes in one direction, it was horse and buggy. And if you went 10 minutes in the other direction, it was, you know, suburbia, sprawling suburbia. And, uh, and yeah, you know, I, I, there, there, there's a few memories that, that are very crystal clear to me. One of them was, I remember the first class trip that we took going into the city, going into Philadelphia. And I remember very clearly, I mean, I would have been like eight, nine or something like that. And I remember seeing the city and seeing the prostitutes and the strip clubs and the graffiti and everything and going, this is where I belong. I'm fucking out. I'm out. Like, I didn't know what I'm out of here meant. And I didn't know that I was like running. I, I, I was like a moth to the flame for the danger, you know, and for the edgy. I didn't see like skyscrapers and, and, you know, Wells Fargo banks and go, that seems like like the the proper way to get to the top, young man. No, right. I saw I saw. I was like, that's what I want, you know. <laughs> and I was like, hey. um, and uh, yeah, and then uh, you know, my, my sister. As I got older, my uh, my uh, I was getting interested in girls, and you, you know, I was chubby and everything, and you know, girls weren't interested in me. And I remember my sister. I had a copy of Cheap Tricks Dream Police. Mm. Cats are going to be in here, by the way. So, oh, that's okay. So, we got plenty of dogs that'll be barking too. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, so I remember my, my sister had a copy of Cheap Tricks Dream Police. Her and her friend are like, "Oh my god, these guys are so cute!" And my mom walks by and she goes, "She goes, you just like them because they got long hair and they're in a band." And I was like, "That's it," you know. So that kind of got me interested in it, but also, you know. The, the the boringness of suburbia, you know, music was it was a great, especially the more visual a band was, uh, the more of an escape from reality it was for me. So I quickly got into stuff like Alice Cooper and and the Misfits and uh, anything that was kind of outsidery. Like the more outsidery it was, the more I liked it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't um, kind of the, the the more typical stuff. You know, so. Uh, yeah, so you know, played in local bands and did that whole thing, and and uh, you know, at twenty, the, the day I graduated high school was the day I moved to Philadelphia. I moved to the city, and uh, I wanted music and the music lifestyle to be my life, you know, and that included everything like the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, the Johnny Thunders thing, you know, the the all of it, you know, the, the, the excessive part of it, you know? So the first thing I did was I, 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 I got a job at like a rock and roll stage clothes store. It would be like a hot topic, but only this was before hot topic was mm-hmm. in every month and, uh, did that and saw that as a way to network with people and meet people. And I did that. And to be honest with you, that was one of the first times that I also saw the red flag of my partying. You know, I remember, me and and uh and some friends went out and we got shit faced and and um you know not to be too graphic about it but like I I, I remember waking up in the morning and there was blood on my wall mm-hmm. and and I had cut myself and and uh and I remember my friends just being like oh dude like that wasn't cool and I don't even know what happened I still don't know what happened to this day because I wanted to look like I have my shit together you know I didn't want to be like, you know, like, what did I do? You know, I was like, oh, it's cool, man. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck did I do? So, um, you know, it was basically another, you know, seven years of that, six, seven years of that. And I wanted to be, uh, 
you know, I, I was a bar star, you know, uh, I was like a guy known in the local scene, but I wasn't really going anywhere. And the more the drugs and, and the more the lifestyle took precedence over the actual art, um, you know, the more, the, the less productive I became. I was going to say the less and motivation. To- yeah. Yeah. And I, I hate oh, to interrupt, but I just have to tell you, cause you basically described my first drunk as well. I have, I, you can't say it, but I have I have a scar right here and pretty much the same thing happened. My first drink out of control, drunk, uh, woke up the next morning, a scar on my neck, didn't know what happened. But I was like, oh, my God, I think that was horrible. But part of it was great. And whatever it was, I can't wait to do it again. Right. Sure. I, you know? <laughs> one of the things that I, that I heard when, it, when when I got involved in recovery was uh, we don't regret the past, nor do we wish to to relive it. You know, and so that was important for me because I, I, I felt like I needed to music and art was always such a part of my life that I there was a part of me that felt like if I deny all that, I'll deny part of who I am. And I think that that's really what that saying is like, we don't regret the past, nor do we wish to relive it. You know, I think that that, it, that it's saying that, you know, there's an authentic self there, even even when we're out there, mm-hmm. you know, at your core. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, I was going nowhere fast, basically. And I had a friend of mine who was in recovery. And it was at the point where this friend of mine, he was kind of like another guy in the scene that everybody kind of looked up to. And he got me a job where we were, um, like the, this, this millionaire had bought a, 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 a school, like, like, like a school from like the 1800s, which would mean it, you know, had like, 10 rooms, you know, it was like a 10 room mansion. And this guy just wanted the whole place like repainted, the walls patched, just basic, like regular, really easy shit, you know, painting the walls, sanding them, doing that type of crap. And we could make our own schedule, keep track of our own hours, get paid cash every week. And I was budgeting the hours that I would work to my party, hmm. right? Yeah. Meanwhile, my friend, like, and, and this guy was paying us really good money. I want to say it was like, let's just say it was $25 an hour cash. And this is 22. So it was like pretty good money, you know? And like my friend is showing up at like 10 and he's leaving at like 3.30, you know? Like he's not killing himself, you know? And he's buying himself a new guitar, you know? And I'm like, well, I wonder how come he's got all that extra money. It's like, oh, because I show up at noon and leave at 3.00. Right. Okay. And then, um, you know, I had an experience where I basically went on a bender. My family lost track of me. This is pre cell phone, pre smartphone. And my car had run out of gas at a, at a bridge that connected Philadelphia and New Jersey. And, um, I just left the car there with, with my Les Paul in it, with my guitar in it, with, my band had just pressed all of our CDs. So that was like a couple thousand dollars. Like I just fucking abandoned everything. Had a girl come pick me up and continued the, the, the rampage and the partying. And I was like, uh, fuck it, I'll car, get my car AC? later. Eh, just leave it there. Totally. <laughs> and what I didn't realize was that like when people abandon a bridge, uh, a car on a bridge, it usually means they killed themselves. So I didn't even think about that. So several days later, like I go to get my car, the car's gone. I call home and I'm like, Hey, has anybody seen my car? And they're like, everybody's freaking out. Yeah. Everybody's like, you know, we thought you were dead. Like where, where, where have you been? And, um, and so this was around the time I was working with this, this buddy of mine and, uh, to backtrack a little bit, there's a history of alcoholism in my family. My dad, uh, was an alcoholic, but like right around in my early teens, my dad got sober and it was one of the only times my, my house and my life, everything seemed kind of normal. It was when my dad was sober. So I knew about recovery. Um, and, um, and so around this time, I just like knew the gig was up. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, yeah, it's, this is done, man. Like everybody kind of had it with me, even though they yeah. weren't like, you know, in jail yet i was just fucking lame yeah know? just right i mean okay so there was no there was no jail there was no uh i mean 
DUIs or anything like that, but you just in your in your soul, you you knew it. But my my question is, this is what because I'm 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 one that I don't know if they have the chip system where you are, but the white chips where you pick up the white chip in AA when you keep relapsing. And I don't like to call myself a chronic relapser because I believe that you are what you you know label yourself as. But I I, I was never I, I was that was not my story. So you were just able to say, I've had it, I'm done, that's it, and that's your sobriety date? Basically, yeah, I got really lucky. Shit, um, man. How do you guys do that? Like, because we have that, we've got that, like, forgetter where I'll say that and then my euphoric recall will come and I'll forget about because I have had DUIs and I have had dr drug possession charges. I have my mugshot all over the, I, like everywhere. And I'll forget that. And I'll just remember the 20 seconds of the good feeling when I first take that first hit or that first drink, you know? Well, I, 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 I wish I had an answer for that. Yeah. Just, but I mean, I will say this and be, I say this because it's, and I'm skip, skipping around a bit here. And yeah, I say this here. because, it's all non-structured. <laughs> uh, because, sorry about that. I tried to turn it off, motherfucker. Um, so I say it's because it's rock and roll based and I know that this question is gonna come eventually. But for me, that's one of the things I feel very lucky about with, with playing music is that I see, I'm always around people that are paying the price and the consequences for their actions and for their, for their drinking and, and drug use when they relapse. And, uh, you know, I guess it's a little bit of that saying of keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. Um, yeah, you know, to me, uh, the, and, and somebody's asked this the other day, cause I was in a situation that was with, with a lot of drinking and a lot of drugs and a lot of other things were going on. It was fucking bananas. Um, and someone's like, how do you stay sober around this? And I'm like, cause I know what you guys are going to be like tomorrow. Yeah. Like, I, I know where this goes. Like, I know where this goes. And they're like, they're like, well, well, what, this isn't tempting to you? I said, no, you know what's tempting to me? The guy that's sitting outside drinking one beer. Yeah. And I can see that sweating. And he drinks like half the beer and he walks away. That guy scares the shit out of me. Because <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm like, how does that guy, how does that guy work? Because mm -hmm. the other guy's like, I know where that goes. You yeah. know? Yeah. yeah, that that yeah. we exactly we know how that plays out, but how 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 does I don't get those people too with the with the half a beer? I'm like, you just wasted like how many calories, and you're not even getting a buzz, you know? <laughs> but that's that's the chicken me. But yeah, being around it and seeing, you know, and and I know you've lost people. I know uh, I I believe you you played with Wayne Static X, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, we just had International Overdose Awareness Day, and um. I, I don't want to make this about me, but maybe sometimes so part of the reason why I do this podcast, I'm going to say is for very selfish reasons, you know, because I do struggle so much and have such a hard time. And I've seen people, I've, I've seen people die. I've had best friends die. I've had everything that you're talking about happen. And what do you like? I guess I just wish I had that, uh, whatever the word is to be able to think the tape through like that. Sometimes I can, but then I'll um, try and kind of splice the tape around a little bit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the old reel, reel to reel, I'll splice this and splice that out and everything will be okay. You know, because um, I don't know, for me, I feel like, I mean, there had to have been, and I, I don't want to talk about the spirituality side too much because I don't know where you stand, but it, it's gotta be more than a decision because we're addicts and we can't really hold, I don't know. I know I can't stick to a decision. I can't make well, a decision. I mean, and, and, and I, sometimes it kind of bums me out telling people this because I feel like I can't, you know, I mean, not a lot of people have the experience that, that I had. And my experience was, you know, I got sober uh, within three months. You know, it was like a weird thing. Like I, I, I went to my first meeting and I fucking hated it. And then I went to my second meeting and this is in the middle of Pennsylvania, middle of nowhere. And I walked in and I was wearing pink glitter doc Martins. I had purple <laughs> and pink dreadlocks. And I walked in and I remember opening up the door at the back because I'm getting there late, right? Because I'm not getting there on time. I'm <laughs> um, getting there late, leaving 
I already planned out that I was going to leave early. Uh, but I open up the, the the doors and I look and it's just like a cotton field. It's all old people. It's all old timers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is my second meeting, right? And I'm like, oh, fuck this, man. Sit down. And I heard everything everybody said. And it was all really clear to me. And I remember one woman shared, she was like an older woman. And um, she was in an outpatient facility and she was relaxed relapsing because she was filling up her windshield wiper uh, reservoir with vodka and she would go out and she would stick straw in there and drink vodka and I'm like this chick is such a bigger like rock star than me that is fucking insane I would never do that but do I want to keep wasting my life where she is you know what I mean and um and I got a sponsor and I and I, and I worked the steps and in the first three months I was like you know I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change. Got three months and I'm like, I want to change, you know, and cut my hair and, and, and all kinds of shit like that. Cut my hair. It was just kind of lost, but in a good way, you know, like it was probably like the first time I kind of let go of my ego and was like, Hey, I don't know who the fuck I am, man, but I know that what I was doing wasn't working. And, um, and I started to play a little bit. I started to play music a little bit, started to get my feet back into that world. And, um, you know, I had a boss at the time. Uh, I was selling military components to India, and that's a whole other story. But uh, <laughs> but my boss said to me, she was like, "We'll have you on again, and we'll talk just about that." How's that? I see. <laughs> that is an insane story. But um, she but but she said she's like, "What do you want to do?" And th- this is like a woman that survived the the. She was a Jewish woman who survived the Holocaust. Okay. She's like, "What do you want?" Was like, "Cause you don't you don't want to work here," and I'm like. I don't want to work here. She's like, all right. She's like, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to play music. She's like, so go play music. And I'm like, but yeah, but it's not that easy. And she's like, no, it is that easy. And I'm like, it's not that easy. You don't understand. You got to get a demo and you got to make a manager and you got, she's like, bullshit. It is that easy. Go out there and fucking do it. And it was the first time anybody ever said that to me. And um, something clicked and I was like, all right. So I started auditioning for musicals. I started uh, putting in job applications at music stores, like anything that was music related. Because when I was an addict, I had to be the lead singer. It had to be my band. We had to get a big record deal. Everything had to be my way, right? I got sober and I had that freedom of thought where it was like, okay, like maybe the path to get what you want is a lot wider than you're making it. Um, Or, yeah, yeah. And, um, and so I ended up, uh, uh, after I got a year, uh, a band that, that, that I, I had helped kind of put together when I was using was a band called Dope. Uh, they had got a record deal, a uh, big record deal on that Epic. And it was right around my one year anniversary. And they said, uh, you know, hey, we're looking for a guy. We got our record deal. We're going on tour. It's the, it's everything. It's the dream, you know, mm-hmm. want to do it. You want to move to New York and do this? And I didn't see that as a coincidence. I saw that as about a year. That's that the, the year is a gift, but you're going to have to earn anything after that. Mm-hmm. And I made a promise to myself that if, if, if I use this all goes away, you're going back to Pennsylvania, you're going into an, into an in-treatment facility, you're going to rehab, you're doing it the hardcore way. And I didn't want to do that, you know? Um, and then it just kind of made sense. Like, why would I do that anyway? Why would I fuck all this up? Right. When you already have. So it. for me, yeah. we, laughed. we were talking about, uh, for me, that's always been my, my superstition, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it, it's what. Yeah. It's when people say like relapse is part of recovery. No, it's not. That's bullshit. Yeah. It, it's not part of recovery. What it is, is. Um, not doing what you're supposed to do for your recovery. And there's your, there's your consequence. You're back to you. You know, it's, it's not, I, I, I hate that. I hate when people say that as a relapser, I hate it, you know, cause it's a great excuse for me to be like, it's part of my recovery. Where's the bar? It's part of my recovery, you know, says bullshit. So, I mean, you're the way that your brain operates is, definitely a lot different than mine. And, um, that's one of the reasons why I like having people on here that have a lot of sobriety and I like to ask them and pick their brain. Cause I'm still new in recovery. I'm not new to AA. I mean, I've been, I've been at this 
long time. But, um, you know, I, I have I have my sobriety now and uh, just got to keep listening and keep, I have to keep going to meetings. I, I just, with this podcast, I'm interviewing so many different people that have so many different ways of staying sober and getting sober and this and that and California sober and smoking weed and microdosing with mushrooms and and I hear all that stuff. I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to microdose with shrooms. Don't you? Yeah, I totally. (laughs) And in fact, it's really funny because even through my recovery, like, like I've I've always, people have said, all right, like, like if you could do just one thing, like what would you want to do? And I'd be like, well, shrooms. It's like, cause like, what's the point in like drinking a beer or drinking, like if I'm going to go for it, like I want like a Hunter S Thompson fucking experience. You know, I, I really want to go for it, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, it's, it's a tough disease. And why do you think that it's so many musicians and creative types are the ones that seemed, well, I, sh- I can't say that cause it doesn't discriminate this disease, but you know, my son, you see the guitars in the background, these are not my guitars. I don't play guitar. My son does. And when you were describing yourself as a kid, I was just thinking so much of my son. It was like, he's probably put, you know, at first he probably was just picking up the guitar to get laid too, even though he was like, you know, whatever. But, um, so wait, what is this? A PMS? No, not a PMS. I'm just kidding. <laughs> What's well, a PRS? <laughs> I spoiled the little brat with a P. He's got a PRS. He's got a, yeah, he's so spoiled. But um, anyway, yeah, I think that, that that was the first reason why he picked up the guitar was to get laid. But he said to me, he was like, Mom, you know, it surprises me that you want me to be a musician or that you encourage me to be a musician because all musicians turn out to be drug addicts. And I'm like, well, Hunter, that that's not necessarily true. You know, um, maybe a lot of the music that I listen to, but hey, uh and then I was trying to challenge myself. Who's not an addict? Really? Like what rock star is not an addict? I'm trying to think. Dave Grohl, maybe? Dave Grohl's probably not. And probably nobody in his band. He probably doesn't employ. No. Yeah. Well, Taylor Taylor is in recovery because he overdosed. Remember? I don't know if you know that. The drummer. Yeah. But yeah, Dave. Yeah. He won't put up with no bullshit. I took I took the poster down for you. I have a huge Dave Grohl poster up here, but I'm like I I I'm not gonna do that. I don't want because a lot of guys hate Dave Grohl. <laughs> you know, listen, I'm a 51 year old chick. Okay, I'm gonna love Dave Grohl, but I don't know how we got to Dave Grohl with this. So how many? Okay, so you have um maintain your sobriety. You do you st- you still go to meetings? You still help others? Yep. Yes. Okay. That's it. Yes. Cause not everyone can see this. Some of this is going to be just Spotify audio. So, so yeah. So like how often do you go to meetings and when, what do you, how do you handle that with the tours and stuff? Honestly, it's, it's, it's been through the pandemic. It was easy. I was going probably every day I was doing it online once. The Zoom, yeah. And then, uh, ever since the pandemic, uh, you know, ever since the world started to open back up, now he's not. My schedule's in. just been, yeah, yeah. It's, so it's it hasn't been as consistent. I, I I make sure I hit at least one a week, but my yeah. but my 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 daily routine is really strong. I wake up uh, every day when I wake up. First thing is, is reading daily reflections, writing, uh, journaling about it. Uh, daily reflections, journal, gratitude list meditation. Um, and you know, that process takes me about an hour, you know, it's not easy. So you seriously get up an hour earlier just to do, just to do this work. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's why you stay sober. I mean, people that are, you know, do that. That's, that's what they say. Do the work. You know, I, I get up every morning and I, I do my, my meditation as well. Um, meditation has been a lifesaver for me just because I have more than just, um, addiction. I struggle with the depression and the ADD and all that friggin' bullshit that drives me crazy. And the only thing that pretty much helps my head is meditation. How, how do you do your meditation? Do you do mantra meditation? Do you do guided? It, it depends. Uh, well, they're all guided. Um, yeah. there's, uh, there's, two different uh podcasts i really like one is called dharma punks nyc 
And then another one is called Refuge Recovery. I know Refuge Recovery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a guy named John. Oh. You just cut Are you out. In California? Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not in California, but we know all about Refuge Recovery. And didn't like Refuge Recovery break apart and spin off? There was some controversy. Do you know what I'm talking about with Refuge Recovery? Yeah. You know, I heard about it a little bit. And the little bit that I heard, I decided to ignore because, you know, people, in my opinion, you know, you got to remember we're all human. Um, and we tend to put people in recovery or, and especially like when you get long periods of time and when you're, when you, when you, with the, the more you stick your head up, the more likely it is to get chopped off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, I love that. Mm-hmm. so I, I tried not to, I know what I liked about it. I cherry pick what I like, you know, take what you like and leave the rest. So, um, you know, and we do live in, in a world right now where everybody's an expert and everybody claims to know what really happened and what really went on. You know, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Nor, you know what? That's one person, too. I mean, you know, in AA, they say that Bill W. was tr- tripping on acid and taking psychedelics what, when he was writing the 12 and 12. So, you know... I, I, I like the way you're thinking about that because I got to be honest. And for those that don't know, Refuge Recovery is just, it's a, like a different program than AA. It's based more around Buddhism and they do meditation. They don't have 12 steps. They have some other type of steps. Um, it's not like smart recovery, which is a whole different thing, which is more scientific. This at least still has a very, very strong spiritual component to it. And they believe very much in like fellowship and everything that, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous believes in as well. Um, just, I just want to inform people that are like, what's refuge recovery? Because a lot of times I'll listen to podcasts and someone will say something and I'll be like, what What the fuck is that? I don't even know. And so in case you're driving and you don't want to Google refuge, that's what refuge recovery is. So um, yeah, thank you for that because I like that spin on it because I wasn't there. Who knows what was there? Let's, you know, so it is, it's a good program. It's a good alternative to AA. So um, sick people helping other sick people, you know? Right. Just like, um, you know, just like a sponsor isn't always going to say the perfect thing or have the right words or do because we're just all humans, right? We're, you're, we're, we're human beings, spiritual beings actually having a human experience. So um, what do you have? So I know now you have like 20 years. Uh, 22. Oh, 22 years. Shoot. Yeah. You've done it. Done this a long time. So um a lot of people I know want, I know that when I told them I was interviewing you, they all want to know about what it was like to perform with Joan Jett. <laughs> Everybody wants to know, how'd you hook up with Joan? I'm, I just got to cover this for at least three minutes, two minutes. How'd you hook you up know, with Joan Jett? How did this all happen? AC played bass with, do you prefer the bass or the or regular guitar? I'm like just shooting at you here with questions, but. I, both. I know you play both. Which do you, do you have a preference? Uh, right now, I prefer bass. Yeah? Yeah, right now I do. Yeah. Who's your favorite bass player? Oh, Alvin Gibb. What's it? Who's that? Jaco. Jacko? Oh, Jaco Pastorius? Yeah. No. Too many notes. Oh, um, really? Okay. <laughs> I'm talking to Punk. Yeah, maybe like three notes. <laughs> All right. Ramone, uh, Gene Simmons. Alvin Gibbs from UK subs, but my favorite is, is, uh, James Jamerson, uh, who played on all the Motown classics and Carol Kay, who's a woman who played on a lot of Motown classics, but all the beach boys records. I mean, she played on a million records, Google her name. There's a great movie called the wrecking crew, uh, that she's involved in, but she was a woman that the amount of records that she's played on in her career is insane. Wow. Yeah. I have Carol K. Carol K. I'm not. You stumped the DJ, AC. You stumped the DJ. I hate that. But I have a feeling that if you and I started talking rock and roll, you'd stump me a lot. You go, you go a little deeper than me. Uh, You go way deeper than me. Um, So, all right. Tell us a little bit, just quickly. How did you hook up with Joan Jett Uh, from, you know, the bands that, that you've played in, well, I mean, the Runaways definitely have that flavor for sure. So, yeah, you know, it was uh, you're lucky uh, because to me, luck is like walking down the street and finding a $20 bill. Um, mm-hmm. I like to think I'm fortunate, but I consider myself lucky. It's like, I mean, 
you know, the whole time you're, you're doing this, the sacrifices that you make, the time away from your family, the lack of health insurance. I don't got a 401k. You'll see my 401k. See those guitars? <laughs> I like, yeah, I like your four. My son would love your 401k. <laughs> That's great. I love his 401k. Yeah. We're I'd working on his. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you, you know, but the Joan thing, though, I can't lie. That, that was, um, that hit me at a time where I, I had played in Dope. I had played in the Murder Dolls. I had played in two bands that had major label deals. I tried to branch out on my own and get my own record deal with my own band. It didn't work out. Nothing. It was one of those times where like nothing was really working out and I was working so hard and I was trying so hard to make things happen. Uh, I was doing everything I could to get, get things off the ground. And, I mean, I'd worked in, in music marketing. I had done everything at this point and I'm like, man, how come nothing is fucking happening? And um, it was the first time where I kind of was like, all right, like, I, I guess this is it. Like, you know, I, I guess I, I kind of surrendered to whatever the universe had in store for me. And I've, I've seen this happen time and time again, where like when I work my fucking hardest and I've done my best and I've done everything I can and I've exhausted every possibility, I don't quit. But I kind of put my hands up and like, I don't know what to do. Like, like, give me direction. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, I'm not quitting, but I'm trying to, I'm, I'm going to stop trying to force an outcome, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And if I have those, those moments where I take a break, that's when something falls right out of the sky. And Joan, I was working at this, uh, at this retail store in Soho and I was selling like rock and roll jewelry, like this shit. And our clients were like Steven Tyler, Nikki Six, people like that. And uh, Joan's drummer, Joan's drummer's wife worked there. And she knew I, I played in bands. And um, and I started, I went to cosmetology school. I was like, maybe I'm supposed to learn how to cut hair. I don't really? Know. You did? This is, yeah. really? Yeah. After, uh, how many years ago was this? Oh, this would have been 10 years ago. Okay. So this was after the 10. success of dope and all that, after all that, huh? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was in the industry too, because at that time there were no more major labels. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so all the money that was in the industry had dried up. So it was, it was, it was a hard time and it continues to be a hard time. But um, I, uh, I went to cosmetology school. I started working at a salon the day I started started doing that i got a uh a phone call and it was th this it was jones drummer's wife and she's like ac what are you doing like oh, i'm working a hair salon she's like okay go five joan jet songs your audition is on wednesday if you nail it the first gig is in two weeks and then you're off to australia after that and honestly i didn't try, i didn't do anything to try to get that gig and when you're talking about an icon like joan and you try to resume up and like, yeah, well, I played in Dope and I played in the Murder Dolls. They're like, who the fuck is that? Like, if your name isn't Dave Grohl or if it isn't, uh, you know, David Bowie or if it isn't like one of those types of people, they don't fucking yeah. know. Doesn't mean shit to somebody like Joan, you know? Mm -hmm. so, uh, I went to the audition, I got it, and after that. You must have killed that adi uh, audition. You must have just friggin', you must have killed. Seriously, I would love to see that audition on video. Do you have it? You know, I can't. There was a moment where she scared the shit out of me as only Joan can. <laughs> really? She, did she really? Was she intimidating? Is she? Oh, God, she's so intimidating. Um, we, our tour manager used to say, she's the only person that can look at a glass of milk and make it curdle. Obviously, he was Southern. Um, so funny. But I'll never forget, we... we because the whole process had to happen quickly because they were going to Australia. So they wanted to, to get somebody quick. They weren't holding auditions. It was like, well, here's a guy. Let's see if he works. So I, I only had but a couple of days to learn the songs. And, uh, you know, it was, it, it was a, a really big audition. The whole band was there. They had the full PA. It was the whole thing. And uh, there was a moment where, where Joan called out a song 
and all along we'd been playing the set. She called something out out of order and it caught me off guard. And we started the song and I, and I, and I choked and she looks at me, she's like, do you know this or not? Like, do you fucking know it? And I'm like, yep. And I was like, please just put my fingers in the right place. And I knew it. (laughs) So I guess, I guess, I guess I did end up nailing it in the end, but man, I had no shit moment for sure. Wow. Yeah. At the beginning of this podcast, I told you I met Joan and it, it was just very brief and it was just the weirdest experience. I told you it was just very bizarre. And yeah, I like how she says she could make milk curdle because there's just something about her vibe, you know, like she walked in the studio and this was like a rock station in the nineties. We had everybody through that, you know, in and out of that studio that you can imagine. But man, when she came in, it was like, it, it was, it was like so different. It was like just something, yeah, something about her vibe. So I wondered what it would be like to work with her, you know, if uh, she like loosens up a little bit or, you know, but I don't know. I, we saw the movie, my producer and I, we just saw, did you see the the movie that where they portray her, the girl from, um, the, in the vampire movies, what the hell's her name? We'll have it flashing in the screen by the time we drop this episode. But yeah, there's a pretty cool uh, movie about the story of her life. I don't know if you saw it. Kristen. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, Kristen Stewart, of course. Did you see the movie? Yeah, it's, uh, that, yeah, yeah. That 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 nail that is Joan. That that she did it to a T. She was fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. I was gonna ask you if that was a good portrayal or not. I love this. That's that's really cool. That's awesome. But um, you're you're our star, not Joan. We AC is our star. So. What do you got going on now? I, I read on your Instagram page that you're thinking about or that you are, you miss doing music It's and you're going to be doing going in the studio or something solo. I don't know. Maybe that was just a blog that you did, but also we got to talk about this coffee that you have. So uh, let it, let it, let it, let it roll. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny how, you know, uh, what's the saying? Uh, when you make plans, God laughs or something yeah. like that. Um mm-hmm. It's been a long time, you know, when the pandemic kicked off, my, my wife and I started our own coffee company called Catfight Coffee. And um, that is going awesome. But I put all my energy and focus into the coffee company. Like I wasn't, I wasn't writing songs hardly at all. Um, and it just wasn't where my head was at. You know, I, it was a really dark time. I mean, not just for myself. But I think everybody dealt with it differently. Like a lot of musicians wrote like double albums. Like they dove head first into the into their music. I not I don't want to say cynically, but I looked at it like fuck, man. Like this is already a really hard industry to to, to make money in and to monetize. Wow. Like like and now you have this. The only place anybody was was really able to make a living was off of playing live. And now we can't even play live. Mm-hmm. So I, I was not inspired to, to pick up my instrument hardly at all. And uh, so I dove into my coffee company and I still am and I'm still very passionate about it. Uh, so we started Catfight Coffee. That's, that's my, my, that consumes a good half of my day. Um, and then the other half is music. You know, I'm, I, I work with the Misfits, uh, work with uh, the band Dope still. Um, my old band, the murder dolls, we, we had been in, in talks to, to do some re- reuniting for next year. And then our drummer passed, uh, our, our guitar player rather passed away. So that kind of ended up, uh, putting that on ice for a while, but there's, there's two other projects that I'm working on that will reveal themselves soon. I, I, I'm not allowed to say what they are, uh, but they're, they're, they're pretty cool things. So I've got a lot of music stuff going on and uh drinking a lot of coffee good i'm excited and i yeah i want i want to know more about that coffee so i'm i'm a starbucks head okay that's probably the 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 worst word to use in your presence but (laughs) i'm like this this shit's like crack because i just look at the line and like i'm sitting there waiting in line for like 40 minutes for a a starbucks i'm like what is the matter with my life you know that, that i'm doing this and i'm always looking for an alternative and to be honest with you we just purchased Cause I like my, I like my foam. I like my almond milk foam. So I just purchased, um, I, I got it online. It was like 
right out of the box, but it was used, but it's out of the box. It was the best deal on it. And uh, it makes cappuccino and almond milk, and I still haven't figured out how to use it. I don't know these how these kids could even work at Starbucks. It seems confusing, but I'm just learning how to do it. So anyway, coffee, what is it? it, it different flavored coffee? Is it um, obviously... I'm sure that you have like, tell, tell me what is different about your coffee. Why am I going to go to you? Cause not, I, mean, I love you, but tell us what's different about it. Well, the main thing there's there, there, the, the main idea behind Cactite coffee is this. Uh, a lot of your independent coffee shops and whether it's Starbucks or the other hipster ones can be extremely pretentious, but those guys have the best fucking coffee. Yeah, so like ten dollars a friggin' for I, I want. It's like ten dollars. I, I can't get out of Starbucks without ten dollars, three times a day. Anyway, sorry. Exactly. But, yeah. Well, I hate to break your heart, but I'm probably hitting that same price point, but with a much better attitude <laughs> and with with much better. Let's see here. Much much better branding and much better marketing. So this is our this is our our hot coffee. What do I got here? This is our Iron Claw. And like our bags, we do little old school like <gasps> cereal box games on to make them fun. I love yeah, that it. one has this, and then this guy has another game on it. So we're kind of taking like the, the, the cereal box kind of mentality. Uh, but the coffee is exceptional quality. Most of our coffee falls in the top 20% of coffee that's traded on the market. Mm. And mm. the stuff that in that in uh, hit that certification is still kosher, uh, um, gluten-free, obviously, um, organic, Arabic coffee. It's still exceptionally good quality coffee, uh, but that's usually our flavored coffees. And we keep our flavored coffees kind of to a minimum. They, ha they have to be flavors that are already in the coffee wheelhouse. So for example, we do a black walnut, which like nutty tastes are normally in a coffee profile, but we'll never do like a strawberry daiquiri coffee because strawberry daiquiri doesn't exist in a coffee profile. So, so does that mean if I'm going and I'm getting like a strawberry daiquiri flavor coffee that it's just being like sprayed with all kinds of shit? I mean, how do they flavor it? Strawberry? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how, how do, how do, uh, how do we get your coffee AC? First of all, I love the idea because you know, I grew up, I'm a product of the seventies too and early eighties and my Count Chocula cereal box and I stare at it and look at the back, you know, the, the cereal boxes I miss, I like album covers, our kids are missing out on like when you get, go to a record store, you worked at one, you know, nothing like it opening up the album and looking in at all the pictures and, you know, just these days we don't get those experiences. So what a brilliant idea to put that Stuff on the back of the coffee bag. I love it while you're drinking your coffee. Just, you know, instead of maybe getting off your phone for a second. Um, so where do we find it? How do we get your coffee? I want some. Oh, catfightcoffee.com. Simple as Very that. Very easy. Okay, perfect. And, and we'll put it up on, um, on the screen for you guys. And AC just told you he's got a lot going on. Got a lot to look forward to. Are, are you going on the road anytime soon? Yeah, I have uh, October 9th at Aftershock Festival in uh, Sacramento, California. And then I have a European tour in November, December with another band. And um, Dope just will have a whole year of touring ahead of it if it doesn't conflict with other gigs that I have planned. So, yeah, unfortunately, this, this year was everybody was hoping that this year was going to make up for no gigs last year, mm -hmm. but you know, scheduling, it's been a little bit of like drinking uh, water from a fire hose. You know? Yeah, I know. It's been, it's been tough. It's been tough, but um, you know, at least you're getting out, you're getting out more. And uh, I, I'm just, I'm so glad that you came on here and educated and helped me. You definitely helped me because anytime I could talk to somebody with 22 years sobriety, I'm going to take what they said. And um Definitely bank that and so excited for everything that you have going on and give your sister a big kiss for me. AC's younger, okay. uh, Tony, the younger one. She's yeah, she's, she's a sweet girl and uh, she's the one that hooked us up. And when you're here in Florida, whatever band it is, I'll be there wearing my, I'm with the band shirt. 
where in Florida are you at? Um, I'm in Palm Beach, Florida. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I know you played the buttons. Well, it used to be called the Button South. It's called something else now. But I briefly saw it. I can't remember which band, but you you were in Fort Lauderdale. I, no, gosh, I think that said it was like yeah. 2016 or something. You played the small club. Was it with Dope or I don't know. I think Static. I think st- you were uh, playing with Static. You're like, yeah, whatever. I, You know, I know. It's like when you talk to a musician about gigs, they're like, it's like asking me, uh, when you walk the dog, yeah, I walk the dog four times a friggin' day. I don't remember what you're talking about, right? So, well, I, I usually have a memory about these things. So, so, so that's why I, I, I do. I, I like to listen because I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I have- it's, it's not called the Button South anymore. I have to look it up. But, um, it was interesting because somebody was interviewing you on some. Gosh, it was some podcast had a really cute name to it too, and you guys were in Fort Lauderdale at this small club. What the hell's the name of that show? It's like, oh, oh, I, as I, if okay. this happened or something. The show's called like, oh, so that happened. Or so this happened. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I remember. Yeah. 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 yeah they were, like, that was, that was Florida. That was right around. So you coming back? There's you don't a know really yet. great vegan place that's like catty food. I hope so. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well. Thanks again. I don't want to take up too much of your time. And my God, I could talk to you. I mean, I, I still have a million things I want to talk to you about. Like, who is your favorite band to play with? Da, da, da. So maybe we'll have you on again and we could just talk music because I've said this before. and I'm going to say it again. At the end of the day, I am um, a wannabe for a rock music podcast, not a podcast about recovery. <laughs> That's just the truth. You know, I, I thought I, when I when I saw myself having any kind of any podcast, for sure it was going to be, you know, just talking music and rock and roll with musicians. And then for some reason, I turned out to be the poster child for so, sobriety, which is hilarious. But anyway, AC, AC Slade. Thank you so much for coming on Sober Exposure. And uh, come back anytime. All right. Need more? Of course you do. The show's all about needing more. Go to my website at soberexposure.show or get stuck on my Instagram at soberexposure underscore podcast.